Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. Richard Jackson is a psychiatrist who has spent considerable time in clinical research and teaching work regarding psychiatry and the treatments of psychiatric disorders. He currently joins us to explore and explain the use of dexamethorphan, a medication that has been around for many years and is now finding a place in psychiatry. Dr. Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to our discussion. Many people know dexamethorphan to be a cough suppressant. What is its history and how did it end up in psychiatry? Can you give us a bit of an overview? Sure. We all know dexamethorphan as a cough suppressant in the class of antitussives, but it wasn't long after it was introduced long ago, people found the effects well beyond cough, certainly mood symptoms, not only mood elevation, but potential for abuse for the potential for hallucinatory effects, as well as what people would say is DMX high. And that's why you saw very quickly moving from any type of tablet to liquid, so that it would be more difficult to ingest enough of the dextromethorphan to have that effect and continue to have the problems with abuse. Part of the reason we had, when medications came out, had to be in a formulation that would be less significant for abuse and have those effects that also would be considered an adverse event because when we're treating depression, we don't want hallucinatory effects or the other type of dissociations or other things that may come. Obviously, the medication has been around for some time and it actually is even being used in another medication which is known as Nudexta. Why have we not begun to use dexamethorphan earlier for its antidepressant effect? Since it's new mixture with bupropion, the indication seems to be that it's primarily the dexamethorphan and not the bupropion, which is the primary antidepressant modality here. Your thoughts about this, please. Well, actually, we have been using it for depression, but unfortunately, Nudexta only indicated for PBA or pseudobulbar affect. And off-label has been used for depression. In fact, there was some real concern about potential off-label marketing for depression, agitation, irritability. The mechanism has been well known, but FDA approval has been slow. And even with the new medication, the FDA indication came out quite delayed. Dextromethorphan is certainly the significantly new portion of the antidepressant, but we know that bupropion is an antidepressant, obviously well-established and does provide antidepressant properties for this medication. The doses are probably medium. It's a dose that is geared towards providing the 2D6 inhibition of the dextromethorphan. If, if you limit the amount of drug that goes to metabolite, you limit the adverse events and the potential for abuse, not that you eliminate it. A combined effect brought up some question. How do you know that the antidepressant effect is not solely from the bupropion? Yes. And that's where studies had to look at the difference. So where are we focusing now? We know that dexamethorphan does have a lot of activity on some of the standard neurotransmitters that the traditional antidepressants influence. Where do we focus now? How do we portion the antidepressant effect coming from the dexamethorphan from the Wellbutrin? Where do we draw that line if we know? We only know the differentiation between, for example, in a clinical trial to look at that was compared to bupropion. So the same dose of bupropion versus the dose of for dextromethorphan and bupropion. But what you saw was the dextromethorphan with bupropion 
was significantly better than bupropion alone. This was looked at at the difference between a MADRIS, the Montgomery Asperger Depression Rating Scale. So if you were compared to placebo, subtract the placebo from the efficacy of the drug, you need the drug minus the placebo for the efficacy effect. So you could do the same thing with the bupropion. You could look at the difference between bupropion by itself, for example, in a six-week trial that's separated by about 12 points on the MADRIS, where the, the bupropion SR with dextromethorphan separated by about 17.3 points. So it was, it was quite robustly statistically significant, well below the 0.05 level at 0.001. Certainly a combined effect. How much you can say is from bupropion, how much you can say is from the combination is difficult to say, but there is a over a five-point difference on your madras. Which is significant to be sure. All of this brings into play the notion that with the combination of the two medications, we are also working within the domain of other molecules in the brain, in particular NMDA. We now have to deal with the NMDA receptor. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and why we are in psychiatry looking at that more so than we had in the past? We've really focused in psychiatry for the last more than 50, 60 years on our monomine theory. Basically, dopamine, norepinephrine, if we looked at the tricyclic antidepressants, the idea was that there was limited serotonergic effect. In fact, that there was limited response from the tricyclic antidepressants. We really got hooked on this idea that we could do well with reuptake blockade of serotonin. Prozac really revolutionized, fluoxetine revolutionized the treatment of depression, not because it was more efficacious, because it was much more safe. The idea was a week of a tricyclic antidepressant would be a suicidal dose enough to complete suicide. And basically, the only way you could complete suicide with Prozac or fluoxetine is if after you swallowed all the tablets, you choked on the bottle. So people were able to give an effective dose, but we saw no increase in efficacy. We went from purely serotonin, then we went backwards to serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, then we went to adding agents like atypical antipsychotic to have some 5-HD2 blockade would also potentially play some role with dopamine and dopamine release. Then we would add bupropions, but we were really focused on increasing dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin in the synapse for the most part by blocking reuptake inhibitor or some type of receptor blockade. Still a fairly limited response if you look at the STAR-D trial. An AMH trial in depression, 50% response and maybe a less than a third of the patients needing a remission. Why was that? And the idea was that the monomine theory doesn't capture the whole idea of depression, which is well beyond what happens in the synapse. The idea that you could take patients and deplete the monomines does not necessarily mean you would always induce depressive symptoms. There was a significant delay. What was the biggest concern we had about antidepressants? It could take two, three, up to six, maybe starting up to 12 weeks to work. And why is there such a delay? The inclusion of the glutamate aspect of depression, psychosis and bipolar disorder, glutamate is an abundant cytatory neurotransmitter in the brain. And our most abundant inhibitory is GABA. And both of those work at the NMDA receptor as well as AMPA receptors, as well as other cascades that get set in motion through glutamatergic activity. We know with too much glutamatergic activity, you potentially can see psychosis. NMDA comes in as a antagonist because that's where the inhibitory effects of GABA come in and decrease the glutamatergic activity that's thought to be at least dysregulated in depression. 
NMDA antagonism, we can boost the glutamatergic system that sets in motion a whole cascade of activity that is more so on an inotropic system versus metabotropic, so it's quicker. It's an instant type of cascade influx, and we see down the road activity at other areas that really look at neuroplasticity and potentially play a role in decreasing the effect that inflammation has on neurons. So obviously a very complex paradigm here, but what's so incredibly exciting about it is that it works or it seems to be working, it seems to work faster, and it's just letting us work on areas that have been not really touched in terms of our dealing pharmacologically with depression. Very exciting. You bring up a lot of concepts and I'm listening and thinking that many people all of a sudden are going to have to think out of the traditional dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine modalities. We have some new players in the game, which is exciting. Do you think that these are going to shorten the amount of time that someone has to be on an antidepressant? Historically, on the older ones, generally speaking, commonly a year, two years, sometimes forever. we have any data if the mixing of the dexamethorphine is going to shorten the treatment course? Or maybe we don't know that yet. Well, my thoughts are that the traditional way we treated depression, we had a limited response. And we know one of the biggest causes of relapse in depression is lack of response. Very rare in medicine do we say we're satisfied with a 50% response in symptoms. It makes sense that if you only see a response of 50%, and we generally use this in clinical trials, and we do a lot of clinical trials, it's all based on what measure you're using. And if you reduce your score by 50%, you certainly see an improvement, but we know that symptoms of depression that persist are the biggest predictor of relapse. If we're only partially treating, what we see is continued episodes of relapse, continued changes in medications, but if we actually get a more complete response and an earlier response, could we potentially move to episodic treatment of depression versus chronic use of antidepressants? And that's been interesting to look at. NMDA is certainly not new. Ketamine has been the story with regards to activity through NMDA. The idea of increasing BDNF, bone-derived neurotropic factor, going through the TRAC-B receptor, the tropomyosin, kinase B, all of this playing a role more so into our newest goal, which is neuroplasticity. Can you actually regenerate the brain? Heart attack, the greater risk of stroke. And is that because depression contributes to that inflammation? Inflammation contributes to the depression. We have to see it now as an ongoing cycle. And it's not surprising that when patients are depressed, it's just like their whole body shutting down. And through the glutamatergic system, we see a more complete, an earlier response, and it seems at least in the newest antidepressant, see a greater number of patients reaching a remission based on a MAGIS score earlier. So can we change the course of depression? Now, unfortunately, when a new medication comes out, who gets a new medication? Patients that have failed a variety of other medications. We're not likely to change the course as much as when we use this in someone that has less episodes. More episodes of depression leads to more episodes of depression making it more difficult to move to an episodic treatment. We now have episodic treatment. Look at ketamine as episodic. We look at other agents coming out, neurosteroids that can be episodic. So the idea is that can we eventually move, at least in many patients, to treat the episode of depression versus treating depression as a lifelong course. 
it's very true that when we get a new medication, we tend to use it on the people who have not done adequately on the older ones, and they seem to have multiple variables, and they're just sadly more treatment resistant. We'll get a different group of people in another year or so to be able to really talk about this. One of the things that has come up because of this new combination of the dexamethorphan and the bupropion is the role of the CYP2D6. And people say, why are we mixing it? What is the real reason that they put Wellbutrin in this? Well, it's to inhibit the metabolism of the dexamethorphan. Does this now require that we should do genetic testing before we give this medication? Genetic testing has grown. It's finding a better place in our daily practices. Should we do this somewhat prophylactically now to see if a person is a poor metabolizer or a rapid metabolizer and how that might affect the use of this combination of dexamethorphan and bupropion? I think genetic testing is a tool that is widely underutilized and certainly can be helpful with all of the antidepressants we use because it's not just this drug that plays a role with 2D6 inhibition. 2D6 obviously comes through bupropion. We've been using bupropion for decades without genetic testing, but we could certainly improve our responses if we know who's a poor 2D6 metabolizer already. There's a whole host beyond just metabolism, and it's certainly helpful to know when someone's a poor 2D6 metabolizer because obviously they're often overdosed on their medications. And it's a helpful guide. It doesn't guarantee you will, will or will not respond to a certain medicine, but it's a helpful guide in how you may adjust. So if there's other medications you're going to use, and if you have another drug that's an additional 2D6 inhibitor, you may have to reduce the dose of the dextromethorphan. With this medication, the only way to reduce the dose, so the recommendation is generally you start with three days at once a day and then go to twice a day. If you have reason to believe that there's increased 2D6 inhibition, if you have decreased renal clearance, if you have hepatotoxicity, there may be reasons to use it just once a day. The medication has effects beyond just NMDA, beyond dextromethorphan itself, also has CERT activity, so it blocks the uptake of serotonin. There's also activity at sigma, which plays a role with different neurotransmitters, potentially, and dopamine. So it's certainly multifaceted, so it's a very interesting medication for a variety of reasons. And the 2D6 inhibition is built into the drug to decrease the metabolism of the dextromethorphan, but also we would apply the same cautions that we do with bupropion when it's not part of this drug or when it is part of the package labeling. So with regards to the potential for blood pressure increases, potential for seizure, although this is the slow release of the bupropion, pretty much take the same precautions that you would when using bupropion. It's a very interesting offset of what you say because this does require that whoever is prescribing the medication really should be tuned into all the subtleties here. I am often troubled by how casually antidepressants are given out. Now, I can't speak to every doctor, I can't speak to every nurse practitioner and the like, but there is a bit more science to this than simply saying, oh, I feel bad, give me some Zoloft. And that's what you're referring to here. And I think that with a new medication in particular, we have to be a little bit more in tune. I agree with you 100% with regards to feeling depressed is not a major depressive disorder and really takes time to formulate the diagnosis. We know that a variety of medical etiologies account for the depression. How many patients get diagnosed with depression and really have a bipolar disorder? The diagnosis shouldn't be taken lightly and the medications provided all have significant risks. 
your call for caution is of utmost importance. It's so nice that psychiatry is moving into an area with some new tools. Perhaps in a few more years, maybe many of the older medicines will be more legacy. They might still have a role, to be sure, but we're expanding our ability to mitigate and intervene in the treatment of depressions. And, of course, this is never to take off the table the importance of psychotherapy, never to take that off the table. That has that always got to be part of it. That's just, That almost shouldn't have to be said. It's part of the complexity of our existence. You make a good point. I could say about psychotherapy because we know patients that have, through the genetics and metagenetic changes that happen, the role of psychotherapy is more critically understood for these patients, especially patients that have this amount of dysregulation. We saw that in the STAR-D trial. The cognitive behavioral therapy was as effective as, as any antidepressant or potentially as a standalone treatment. But the problem is good psychotherapy sometimes is difficult to find, but it's critical in the treatment of depression. I would agree with you. Without question. One of the things that seems to be a little different about this combination of medications is something that we call remission rate. Please tell us a little bit about what that is and what's different with this new formulation. The idea of involving the NMDA antagonist was that can you actually see, similar to other agents that involve that mechanism, can you see a quicker response? And can you see a more complete response, remission? So remission, generally, we speak of can patients return to their previous level of functioning. It's difficult to look at in clinical trials, certainly as a primary measure. What is considered remission is a score as low as a identified marker on the rating scale that you're using. For the MADRAS, it's been scores as such as 12, 10, low end 8. Here they use a MADRAS score of below 10. And what was interesting is, and, and of course, this was all the way including up to a year of data, so it was open label. So you can always take open label with the idea that it's limited without placebo. But the quick response to remission by week one, two, you're seeing 8 to 20% of the patients needing a remission. By 12 months, actually by all the way as early as six to, to seven weeks, you saw the 60 to 70% patients meeting the criteria for a remission. So it was early, but then it was sustained and maintained all the way out for the study duration of the year of the patients that maintained in for a year. I think this mechanism may play a role not only in a more rapid response, but also a more complete and sustained response. The longer we use it, the more data we have, the more we can talk about it with details. And maybe in about a year or so, you and I can get together again and we can talk about what we've learned after a year of it in the field, outside of it being in research. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to do that anytime.